Welcome to Conversations in Aesthetics, the podcast that explores the world of aesthetic medicine. Join the Aesthetic Source team along with special expert guests every fortnight for candid conversations, insight, and an exploration of the challenges, opportunities, and wider trends that drive this dynamic industry. Today, we're going to be talking with Shannon Kilgariff, who is the editor and event manager at Aesthetics. We're going to be talking about all things aesthetics. We'll talk about the Aesthetics Journal. We'll talk a little bit about conferences and shows. We'll talk about education. There's all sorts ahead. So first of all, I would like to ask Shannon to introduce herself. Hi, Lorna. Thank you so much for having me and congratulations on your podcast. It's absolutely amazing to be involved. So so thank you for involving me. Um, A little bit about myself. So yeah, my name is Shannon. I'm editor and event manager um, of Aesthetics, which uh, encompasses a whole portfolio of amazing um, products which really all um, aim to bring a community together to educate inform, um, and and really drive our industry forward so that's the aesthetics journal uh, which is a monthly um, medical journal for UK practitioners working in medical aesthetics as well as the ACE and CCR events and the aesthetics awards so they're all annual events um, which which we really pride ourselves in bringing the community together to kind of help network and um, and bring the industry forward, as I said. So that's a bit about me. I've been working in aesthetics um, for eight years now. So I started in 2015 um, as a journalist at aesthetics. I, um, to be honest with you, Lorna, I really thought that I was just going to pop into the UK um, in uh, whilst I was traveling Europe and, and work for aesthetics for about a year. Um, but I never managed to leave and absolutely love the industry that I'm in and the people within it as well. So I've managed to stay for eight years and um, now I'm editor and event manager. So yeah, it's an absolute delight. And I've been working with you for many years as well. Well, I was going to say, I think I met you in 2015. I think the then editor was Mandy Cameron, who's a, a, a very uh, a long-term friend and great friend of mine. And uh, I remember thinking, oh, this, this is somebody special. And I've watched your career develop. And gosh, we've been to, I don't know how many conferences together, both in the UK and around the world and the Aesthetics Awards that you've hosted so competently, um, so delightfully in the last few years. So yeah, we we have known each other a long time. It's been a great journey. We have indeed. And Maddie is very much, as she is many people in the industry, kind of the my mother of aesthetics, um, so to speak. So her, myself and uh, Chloe Grono, who also became editor after her, were, were a real team for quite a number of years. So we've, we've worked with you for a long time. It's been absolutely fantastic. And those friendships really last, don't they? I think that's one of the special things about the aesthetics industry is that we develop friendships and they're they're very meaningful and supportive. Tell us what you think is happening in the industry right now. What's hot? Oh, I mean, Lorna, there's so much going on in the industry, so I don't really know where to start, to be honest. I mean, we're seeing new innovations, which are fantastic. There's a huge rise in new practitioners entering aesthetics. And also the public has a great understanding about the industry, which is really, really exciting. So there's lots going on. Um, I think at the moment, what I am seeing is kind of a huge shift from you know, simply treating the symptoms of aging and kind of other concerns and instead looking at the causes of conditions and practitioners providing more holistic care and kind of having a more over-rounded approach, which I think is absolutely fantastic and really the way forward. 
Um, I think patients as well are looking for treatments and solutions that don't just make them you know, look better, but also feel better with more long-term results, less downtime. And I think certainly the innovations and technologies coming through is, is kind of facilitating this, which is really exciting. And you say you're seeing a lot of a lot of people joining the industry. And are they people who tend to have wellness and holistic treatment of people at their core? Or are we seeing just people deciding to leave the NHS for political commercial reasons and coming into the private sector? I think it's a little bit of both, to be honest. I think um, there's a lot of people in the NHS who are, who are a bit fed up, to be honest. And then there's a lot of people who said they're burnt out um, after COVID and they're really looking for something something else and new to do. Um, for some of these people, it is just to have something on the side. But for others, I think they, they really want an industry where they can make a difference. And we, we have to remember that all of these um, practitioners that we work with are you know medical professionals at their heart and core and they got into medicine for a reason. And a lot of these practitioners want to continue that approach approach uh, into aesthetic medicine, which I think is was really refreshing. Um, the other thing we are seeing at the moment, which is really exciting, Lorna, um, and although the regulation word is a bit boring and gets thrown around, I think, you know, this year we are seeing a, a real shift in regulation. And, you know, with the new health and social care bill, we're finally looking at some sort of compulsory licensing for both practitioners and premises, which is really exciting. I know you've been working in the industry for a lot longer than me, Lorna, so it has been a long time coming, this sort of approach. But the JCCP have kind of been updating the industry and we've been doing the same through the journal. And hopefully by the summer, we should know a little bit more, but it's all very exciting. And how do you think that's going to change aesthetics? Well, I think it's going to change aesthetics because at the moment, there's nothing written down that says this is how you should be doing things. This is standard practice. This is, you know, the level that you should be, uh, you know, achieving to be able to have safe, successful practice. Um, and I think, you know, with a licensing scheme, I'm not saying this is going to be the be, be all and end all, but it's certainly a step in the right direction. Um, if a practitioner has to have a license to perform these treatments, you know, there will be a standard set at which the practitioner has to adhere to. Um, and that's only an amazing, amazing thing. So we don't have that currently and it's extremely needed. Uh, and the same with the premises at the moment, you know, in the past we've had, you know, the, the, the dermal filler and injectable parties, which we know, um, you know, shouldn't be happening. But, but the fact of the matter is it still is because, you know, practitioners don't have to go to a certain premises um, in order to perform treatments. And there's no standardization here either. So I think, you know, if twofold, if we can get that in, then it's, it's really going to be something great for the industry moving forward. Absolutely. I mean, patient safety is so, so critical, paramount, and regulation can help with that. So I see that as a really exciting step. What, what else do you see as um, new in the industry coming through to the end of 2023 and into 2024? Of course, regulation is, is one of the big ones which you talked about. I think regenerative medicine is seriously trending right now and will continue to do so in 2024. Um, there's been some fantastic kind of new innovations in like exosomes, stem cells, um, and treatments that are aiming to make the body renew itself um, and kind of focusing on cell health. You know, we're looking at technologies like polynucleotides, hybrid injectables, collagen stimulating devices and fillers. Um, and all of these things are, are kind of having that same approach to, to overall long-term uh, results, which I think is really exciting. The other thing I think is a good talking point for 2024 is kind of the focus on complications. 
we know that complications in aesthetic medicine are, you know, increasing. However, they're extremely underreported. So this has been kind of a, a focus in the past, but I think is gaining momentum now. Um, and, you know, there's recently been several complications associations and conferences which have launched, uh, which are all aiming to promote patient safety and really look to both prevent and manage complications. Uh, I know the JCCP has just launched a new reporting system, um, which is kind of a really good centralized reporting system, which the industry is all talking about at the moment. There'll finally be data in one area and we'll be able to see what type of complications are happening, how often, um, you know, who's, who's causing them, who's having to do the treatments and, and all these important things. And without any you know, valid facts and figures, you know, the government can't do anything about regulations. So it's all kind of going into this regulation debate. So that's another thing um, that's a real big talking point at the moment. The other thing, Lorna, I think, which fascinates me, I'm not sure about you, is artificial intelligence and the metaverse and just technology like that, which is just wild when you think about it, because it's changing every single market. Um, I think this will be a big talking point in 2024. Um, you know, we've reported in the journal recently about the metaverse and kind of, you know, the, the rise of avatars and how that's going to have an impa impact on beauty, um, which is which is just so interesting. And um, of course, AI, you know, there's there's photographers at the moment, I'm not sure if you know about this, but there's photographers in the fashion industry, which are already kind of um, doing photography competitions based on AI generated images. So, you know, what's that going to have an effect on people's perception of beauty? So only time will tell for that one. Yes, I think the psychologists are going to be very, very busy looking at the impact of uh, of, of this on, on how we perceive ourselves and um, are, are we more real than our avatars or not? Very interesting. You mentioned exosomes. So tell us a little bit more about that. I think it's a, a really hot topic. Yeah, it is. I mean, I think it's it's obviously a very new uh, topic because there is the ethical considerations around exosomes of, of where they're derived from. So you can get human-derived exosomes or uh, plant-derived. But I am seeing a lot of skincare companies focusing on this technology at the moment. And I think, you know, it is a good thing because it means that there's innovation kind of going everywhere and there's technologies growing. Um, I really do like to see a lot of companies focusing on this, which I think will mean that technology will come at a really rapid rate, um, which is really exciting. Yeah, I agree with you. I think it's an interesting one. I'm not going to get drawn into um, particular ingredients or anything, because this is obviously um, the point of our conversation is not to talk about our brands. Um, but I do find it very, very interesting from a regulatory perspective. There are some challenges as to what we can and can't do and and what is the impact of using a plant-derived exosome on the skin in the long term. Um, so I think there's some really interesting challenges there. And I think there's some great data that's going to be being published, which I'm really looking forward to reading more about. I think, like you said, the really key thing with any new innovation that comes in with this industry is that practitioners are really needing to, to do their own research um, on anything that comes through, have a look at the science, the data that's that's coming out about it. And we are such a young field still. So, and the exciting thing is we are able to get all of these crazy and amazing um, new innovations. But I think the ethical point of view is at the moment, you know, you do need to be cautious about any new product that enters the market and make sure that it's from a reputable supply and a reputable company. Um, and then it has um, all the studies um, involved. Absolutely. There's so much science involved in a lot of these things. And a, a lot of that science is very, very complicated and tied in with regulatory pitfalls and trying to understand what really can and can't be used. 
is is difficult even for somebody. I mean, I've been doing this for for decades um, and talking to CTPA and um, you know the EU regulatory bodies and the UK regulatory bodies, um, and and still I find sometimes I have to really dig deep and ask questions of of, of people in the know uh, before I can be confident about something new that's hitting the market. Yeah, and as you say, you know. Um Aesthetics can be an isolating field if you don't um, have friends and colleagues and a network. So when something new comes out, it's important to, you know, really draw upon that network, ask people what their thoughts are, what their experiences have been. And I think that's, that's really key and a really integral part of researching, actually. And where would you advise people go to, for that sort of information? You've got to... You've got to go and find it in all different areas. So if you're doing just general research, of course, you need to go and have a look on, you know, on PubMed, all of the, um, you know, scientific studies that are um, available to you. That's really, really integral. Um, but when it comes to kind of building a network, uh, I think the way you do this is by firstly going out of your comfort zone, making sure you're, you know, you're not just an isolated clinic somewhere. You, you build your network by joining associations. Um, that's a really, really key one. There's some really great associations um, within medical aesthetics. Lorna, I believe you were a founding member of, of the BACN and one of them, which is a fantastic association um, and a really good place to, to meet new people um, and build connections. Of course, you can also go to you know, numerous free um, events and, um, and different kind of networking events the other thing is follow people on Instagram. I mean, when I first joined Aesthetic, Instagram was just not really a thing. But now I find that I'm getting messages on a daily basis from, you know, from people on Instagram just asking me little questions and things. So, um, you know, I think that's really common now for people to reach out that way. So, so yeah, do start building network um, and, and really focusing on that. I think it's really key. Absolutely. And I'm going to come back to you over the, the, the BACN, for example. Um, you know, there's, there's BCAM. Uh, for the doctors, if you're a dermatologist, there's BAD. There are all sorts of different groups. Uh, if you're a dermatology nurse or if you're a nurse in aesthetics, you can join the British Dermatological Nursing Group, the BDNG. Um, from an academic perspective, they have some really interesting talks um, at their conference and in their journal. So there, there's, there are you know, multitude of places that you can go and get further information. I personally find networking in the coffee shops um, near the conferences, really, really useful. And look, I've always kept a really close eye on who is speaking at which conference and how could I possibly access these speakers and go and learn from the very best. That, I think, is something that we can all do more of. There are a lot of conferences, there's no question about that. But finding those speakers and then joining their groups and following them is, is I think, extremely useful. And talking of shows, um, where else would you go? Which other shows around the world would you think of attending if you were a, an aesthetics practitioner wanting to be your the, the expert in their field? Going to conferences um, and events, no matter how big or small, are so important. Um, if you're someone who really wants to grow your career and your profile in medical aesthetics and stay on top of all the leading innovations and techniques, which is important for your practice as well. So I think that is twofold. But 
I would say firstly, there are so many events on Lorna. Um, and what I would say first is don't try and go to them all um, because if you do, you probably will just burn out. Um, I mean, I try and go to as many as possible. I'm, I'm very lucky that I have my team that come to lots of events as well. Um, so what I would say is make sure you, you, you give yourself some time to have an overview of all the events that are happening both in the UK and internationally and pick and choose the ones that you know will really benefit you. I think in terms of international conferences that I've been to recently, um, you know, AMWC in Monaco was an absolutely fantastic event with with numerous um, learning experiences, which which was which was really great. Um, as was in Cas in Paris, and I think they're both very close to the UK, so it's it's very easy to get over. Um, I haven't been to any of these other conferences, but I have heard um, a lot of international people say that they're great. So that's like Dubai Derma, Cosmoprof, um, Beauty Through Science, American Academy of Dermatology. Um, there's plenty, plenty on. Um, but what I would say is, you know, when you're going to these things, make sure you have a plan. Um, you know, I went to AMWC and MCAS without a plan this year and I kind of regretted it because I walked through the doors and was a little bit wowed and went, oh gosh, where do I start? So, um, yeah, it's, it's important to, to kind of utilize your time really effectively. Um, you know, at the end of the day, you're taking a day out of your, your clinic. Um, so you, you've got to treat it as a working day, but you, you know, you're out of clinic, you're not, you're not treating. So you need to utilize that time the best way and, and, and use, use these places to network, build your networks, meet key industry uh, speakers and practitioners so that you can build your network. Um, make sure you go and see what's new and innovative by going to talk, also speaking to companies. Um, I like to go around all the different um, you know, exhibitor stalls, for example, and just say hello and say, okay, what have you got new? And, and that's probably one of the best ways to, to really also just get an understanding of, of what's going on. One of the things I always start my lectures with is um, a quote about don't just take notes, take notes and turn them into an action plan. And I think that's so important. If you're going to a conference, work out which lectures you want to go to, work out which stands you want to go to and what you want to ask. Um, so yes, absolutely. What is new? What support do you give? What benefit is there of working with you versus working with one of the other, whether it's an equipment brand or a skincare brand or an injectable brand or whatever. Um, so be really ready with your questions to make best use of the time because it's a it's a sort of compacted area of people full of knowledge and experience, but you have to know which questions to ask to get the best out of it. Absolutely. And I don't know about you, but I don't know how many times I've been to a conference and I've come back with a whole bag full of flyers and business cards. And sometimes, you know, if you also don't give yourself the time post-event to go through all these, make sure you follow up with people. All of that's very important as well. So make sure you're going in with a game plan you, you know exactly what you want to get out of it. And like you said, you have action points. And actually you raised something very interesting there because I have a real challenge, a real problem when I go to conferences. And I, as you say, I, I get a bag full of um, samples, of full-size products, of literature, et cetera. How can we be more sustainable? Because there's one thing that makes me cry, uh, not more than anything else, but really at events, when you go into the bathroom and on the floor in the bathroom are the contents of the of the show bags or even the show bags themselves and the number of people I know who you, know, you take your bag home and it sits on the side for three months and eventually it's gathered dust and you throw it away. How do we stop this happening? It's, um, it's interesting you ask that because it's something that um, Easy Fares, which is the company behind ACE and CCR, is really putting a focus on at the moment and that is the impact that we're having on the environment and sustainability and what we can do to kind of prevent um, impacting the environment and, and using 
you know, you know, creating so much waste and using so much paper and things. So it's something that we are looking into. I think when it comes to, to things like show bags, I mean, I know that we are supplying our delegates with show bags that are empty show bags that are recyclable um, and, and eco show bags. And then people can put things in there as they like. We're no longer just filling them with paper that no one's ever going to, to read or use. Um, I mean, we also have a really clever uh, technology system whereby, you know, it's smart badge technology. So you get your badge, you go to a stand, you tap it, and then they will email you all the information that you need. So you don't need to go away with bundles of paper that just get lost and, you know, as you said, chucked in the bathroom floor or, or elsewhere. So I think that's really important. And I think also when it comes to things like business cards, I don't know about you, but I often use services like LinkedIn because there's a great QR code technology of LinkedIn, which I use or I follow people on Instagram. Um, these days, people also are creating business cards that are a that can tap on the back of your phone and it automatically updo- uploads your details, which, which is amazing. So I think, you know, all of these little ways really, really do help and are also more beneficial for the person because you have the details, you've got the email, um, and then you can follow up a lot easier. Yeah, absolutely. So coming to the end, I think, of our time chatting, I have one last question for you. Of all of the new things you've seen, which one do you want to book in for? Oh, that's a really hard question, Lorna. There's so many things. I think um, at the moment, I mean, I've um, been very eager to try new technologies. Um, you know, as always, I think that the key innovations which are interesting at the moment are the launch of the new toxins. So, you know, as you know, we haven't had any new toxins launched for about 10 years. And now in the last year, we've had three, which is really exciting. So I personally want to go and try all of them and uh, and see kind of if there's any any differences in between them for myself from point, a personal point of view. The other thing, of course, is, you know, there's some amazing skincare um, revelations coming out at the moment. So I'm always looking for new skincare, uh, which is kind of going to really help, you know, with the longevity of, you know, toxin results, um, I think is probably a good one to look at as well. There's also muscle stimulation at the moment, which everyone's talking about for the face. So that's going to be a new interesting take on that as well. So I think I'm keen to kind of see what practitioners are, uh, are finding with this because it's still quite new. Um, but that's another thing that maybe I'll look to try as well. Well, certainly you mentioned uh, procedure pairings of products that go alongside things like um, neurotoxins. So uh, we will be sending you some more products to try, uh, no doubt. And it was a very unfair question because I haven't decided whether to say that you're young enough to be my daughter or whether you're young enough to be my granddaughter. But um, (laughs) we certainly have very different skincare needs, no doubt. (laughs) Absolutely. And I think combination treatments are a real key, um, you know, in this industry. And and it's something that you know, we've actually been saying through the journal um, is integral um, for quite a number of years, but I think sometimes people still don't get it. So creating real um, bespoke treatment plans that combine not just, you know, your injectables, but, you know, your skincare injectables devices. So you have a real um, 360 approach to treatment, I think is really important. Absolutely. And one of the things I would love to be doing is bringing um treatments into the clinic that look at wellness and techniques for heart-brain coherence um, whilst you're doing skincare procedures. Um, There's so much that we can be doing in that perspective. So uh, you'll be hearing more from me on that front as well as the months and years go by. 
Yeah, it's interesting you say that, Lorna, because um, I think another key trend really is the, you know, the the longevity um, approach to aesthetics. So kind of looking at wellness and longevity and how kind of practitioners can help people have a fuller um, life for a lot longer and really looking at people's health and how um, aesthetic practitioners can kind of combine that that real health and wellness approach to the treatments they, they provide. So that's some, something I think is also key and something that we're looking to delve into uh, at CCR this year. Physical, holistic and spiritual health all at the same time. True wealth. Oh, absolutely. Brilliant. Well, it's been really super talking to you, Shannon. Um, and uh, I'm looking forward to seeing you at the next conference or whenever we're next going to be getting together. So thank you very much indeed, everybody, for listening. I'm Lorna Bose. I have been with Shannon Kilgariff and I look forward to seeing you for our next episode. Conversations in Aesthetics was brought to you by Aesthetic Source, the award-winning distributor of clinically proven skincare brands. With our comprehensive portfolio, we are committed to providing your patients with tried and trusted products that work and providing you with the training, clinical and commercial support to help your business thrive. Visit us at aestheticsource.com.